Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have the triumphant return of Mike. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It has been a while. A little bit of a while. <laughs> now, now you're not stuck in hotel rooms or, or uh, out of the country or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I've dropped in a hotel. <laughs> so, uh, what have you been up to other than other than your travels? Uh, so, the most recent thing I did was probably only yesterday. I finished the latest collected volume of the Saga series. Oh yes, cool, fantastic. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Taking a long time. It, it's very tempted to go down to reading the individual comics just to keep up yeah. with it, um, yeah. um, because it takes a long time. But I like to do a whole load of them in one go. Mm. But it's great. It's fantastic. And yeah, it's so I, sad in places as well. The it last, is. The end of the last one was really sad. Yeah, it's it's such a brilliantly brilliant. I'd love them to do a TV adaptation of of that. Uh, just a, it would be games of Game of Thrones expensive. That yeah, if it they would. did it, and I mean, it'd be a really difficult sale to anybody that wasn't yeah, already a fan. Yeah, it would be. Um, but it's an amazing, amazing comic book. That. Yeah. really really good and the, the themes in it are so grown up yeah it, it sounded if you, if you described it it would sound like a children's thing it yeah. really would because it's, it's crazy so not a children's but thing it's, yeah, it's so not a children's <laughs> thing I would no my kids my kids haven't seen it and they're not going to read it either yes no um, not appropriate the other thing I did was I finished the se- second series I'm way behind on this one I finished the second series of Marco Polo a uh, second and final series of Marco Polo because I know ah, it, was, yes. it was canned and I think that it's a shame that it was canned. The first series was was very slow. It was gorgeous looking, and I I enjoyed it, but it was very slow. But the second series really hit a good mm. pace and and got got quite good. Yeah, probably because th- it was under threat. I would say probably they pulled yeah. out all the stops, but it it was good and um and and it's finished. I think it was one of those shows. I spoke to the costume designer for that a while back. Yeah, and I think it's one of those shows that. They, they it took a while to find its feet and because yeah. she said the same thing you know the first few episodes are a little bit slow but it picks up towards the end of the first season and then the second season it definitely is, rewarded you if you stuck with it yeah yeah well she said exactly the same thing and I, I think the problem is that there's so much good stuff out there right now it's it's difficult you know i'm glad netflix stuck with it for two seasons yeah. but it's it's an expensive show to make. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I can only imagine that it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't paying for itself. Yeah, so yeah. I I think that's probably the problem with it. But uh, yeah, it's sad that because you know. But I, there's only so much you can do. 
when you you know you can't throw money at it if it's not making the numbers and unfortunately there's no way to do that show cheaply i don't think no i don't think so so no, i don't think so but yeah it's a shame um mm. especially as it just ended <laughs> it ended yeah. with a cliffhanger yeah, yeah. And, then, and that was it and yeah. oh, i find that very it, frustrating I mean, it, it's a shame they didn't give them the opportunity to do like a feature length thing yeah just to, you close, know, just it to out. close it out but yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, and the other thing I've been spending a lot of time on is uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, Hooray, which I'm sure you've done to death. We have, we have, yeah. particularly. I finished it last week, I think, Yeah, after 100 hours. So, yeah, well, it's it's a long old game, um, and I've been playing it because because I'm playing it on Xbox. Right, so I yeah. am now a fully committed Xbox gamer. Yes. The only thing that I play on the PC now is Old Republic. Everything else, <laughs> all my plans, everything is Xbox. So that's that's... Yeah. Wild, a wild thing that I would never have dreamt of yeah, this time yeah. last year. It's a great game, but it's, um, everybody's talked about the bugs and yeah, uh, yeah. and the terrible animations and the mm. varying They're supposed to have fixed some of the animations in the latest patch. Um, so I don't know if that patch has hit Xbox yet. Oh, okay. But you can tell if it's if it's hit because the eyes on on the human characters have changed. Right. Okay. They, they look less like kind of you know drugs. Yeah. yeah <laughs> less, less like they're less on drugs and, and like they've kind of they're basically ping pong balls with eyes painted on, which is sort of what they were before. Yeah. And they've actually subtly kind of altered them. Yeah. It's so weird. They look a lot it's better. weird. It's, but it's always been a Bioware thing, hasn't it? Yeah, Terrible yeah, animations yeah. and yeah. moment. It's like genius surrounded by terrible mistakes yeah. <laughs> yeah i i did i think as i've said before on the show it's one of those games that could have done with just a, a couple more polishing passes yeah. just to, to iron it out a little yeah. bit but you know i i don't think it's any worse than any other mass effect game no. when it was first released no, no. and i think I, i'm thoroughly enjoying it you know it's not yeah but there are there are bugs i mean i, I think in the um the vault at kadara Right, I'm yeah. sure I've spent about an hour and uh, I couldn't find a console to, to open up a pathway. And then I, I looked at it on, look, I cheated in the end. I was like, I had enough. I looked at it, apparently it's a bug. Right. You do certain things, one of these consoles doesn't arrive. So, But I'd spent an hour running around like an idiot going, yeah, oh, I'm yeah, being yeah. stupid. So I had to open another save game and then play through a whole you know bunch of it again. Just things uh, like that. And I, ran, I ran up, you know, the sort of meeting area on, on the ship. Yeah. I ran up that, but I obviously was moving too quickly for the game to keep up. I ran up it and fell through the floor, which hadn't <laughs> hadn't appeared into space. And then there was like a few minutes of of my character falling yeah. before it died, and then reappeared <laughs> on the ship. And it's like is that that's ridiculous. Is that an Xbox? <laughs> is that an Xbox thing? Because you'd think, and this is the thing that surprised me. You accept stuff like that on a PC because there's lots of different, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of variables with PCs and you yeah. expect there to be bugs and things like that with, you know, they've tested it and tested yeah. it, but they don't know what graphics card you're using and there's lots of things that could be different. Yeah. But an Xbox is an Xbox. And you would expect with with consoles for things to be tested and things to be working yeah. and yeah, to you be would. fairly smooth and for that not to happen. Yeah. I No, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. And I mean, I didn't have any major like game stopping bugs i had there were two missions one is one was there was a terminal in um the first place that you the, eos, the first place, eos yeah. yeah there was a terminal in the um place that you set up on eos 
which was showing a quest and when you when you clicked on the console it wasn't there that was fixed with the bug update there was also one where i was outside on uh was it vold the ice planet yeah and i i not kind Did of you snipe the guys it was that the one where you snipe that you're chasing after the um a transponder from the Asari ship. No, it wasn't oh, that there was a, There's another one there where if you snipe the guys from a distance, which is essentially what I do all yeah, the time, yeah. I just I was snipe saying, them. Yeah. If you don't get close enough, it doesn't trigger an event which causes the next thing to happen. So oh. if you snipe them all and walk in, nothing happens. Oh, dear. Um, which was another thing I had to Google because I couldn't, it was frustrating yeah, me. Yeah, it was yeah. telling me it was right there in front of me, but there was nothing nothing to interact with. Right, yeah. And that was a... No, I, this was this was a... There's a thing where um, he's complaining about radio transmissions and it's a, it's a meteor that's causing the problems yeah, yeah. and you've got to go and, and sort the meteor out. Yeah. But uh, the... Uh, temperature was dropping yeah so i was almost in the red on that so i ended up running back to or taking the the uh car back to push my gauge back up yeah and then had to come back out again and because i'd been away and come back i could no longer interact with the meteor (laughs) so um those are the only two places where i've i found that i couldn't complete missions for things but they were sort of fairly minor side yeah. missions you know so that's a mass effect thing isn't it having patches to fix things that are broken <laughs> exactly we expect so, it but it's so it's so good i mean there are lots of haters so that must expect yeah perfection and i don't know many games that are perfect when they're no you know. no exactly it's, it's been the witch is something that is held up as an example of how things should be done mm. a lot and i guess the animations there were, were very good yeah but um, i mean the witcher you've got to remember the witcher learned from their mistakes yeah. because the first iteration of the first witcher game yeah. was terrible it was absolutely slated uh, to the point that they ended up releasing a deluxe edition which completely re-recorded every single bit of dialogue yeah and that's something bioware have always been quite good at historically so i suppose they've kind of not really got better and everybody else has yeah yeah i mean you know that that was the thing the the witcher had such an amazing screw-up with the first game because it was buggy and but they fixed it for free Mm-hmm. I mean, they almost completely redid large sections of the game yeah. to make it work. I had that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that made a huge, huge difference. And I think because they've learned from that, their quality is, is, they're always so careful about making sure that things work well. And I mean, you look at the last iteration, the Wild Hunt game, just a phenomenal bit of work, that. Mm. So, and I mean... I, I, as I say, I played through Mass Effect. Uh, it was 100 hours in total. I thought the storyline was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I know some people are finding the start a bit slow, but I didn't have any issue with that at all. No, not at all. It's it's a Bioware game. It's exactly what Bioware games are like. So. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't even think it was that slow, to be honest. No, neither did I. Neither if you replay I. it a few times, the beginning can get a bit annoying. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And that's the same with most yeah, games, you know? Exactly. Um, I do remember... I'm a, this is probably a bit of ancient history Baldur's Gate 2 yeah <laughs> a game that was so replayable you could play it so many different ways with so many different characters but the beginning bit in Arenicus's dungeon was so boring after you'd done it once and it was amazing the first time you did it but once you'd done it three or four times it was just really painful right because that was the bit that was, was the same regardless of what you did yeah but there was a there was a, a mod release that just skipped that dungeon completely <laughs> and whoever, whoever created that mod brilliant because it just cut out like that whole hour of just slogging through the dungeon yeah yeah yeah. just this character appeared and said i'll just take you straight to the end of your life <laughs> and give you a load of stuff this yeah, is the yeah. stuff that you'd have picked up and it was 
it was good <laughs> yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah um, i mean i i would highly recommend anybody that's certainly into rpgs uh, you know action adventure games because i think they I, I really like the engine that they've used which is the um for, for mass effect the dragon age engine yeah because it works so well for the combat and stuff i think the yeah. combat's fantastic it's very slick it goes it, yeah it's very slick it's seamless mm. and um yeah, I mean, it's it's a good game. It is. It's, it's, minor it's a really good game. Sticking points. It's I know. Slightly, I, you know. I think a lot of lot experience. of the problems. Yeah, a lot of the problems people had with it, I think, are relating to the fact that it, it wasn't Mass Effect as much because the way the I, I think that all the you know they they made a lot of changes in terms of how the combat worked and that sort of stuff and you couldn't micromanage things but mass but effect was more on rails though yeah wasn't it? yeah yeah it, there were it bits wasn't. of it certainly the certainly the combat was and i didn't you know i much prefer the um way dragon age was certainly the last dragon age game i really really liked inquisition so i you know i liked inquisition but great I, for me i think in andromeda is better than inquisition yeah no i really I, do. I, I um, I, I don't know. It feels I think more focused. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I enjoy both equally. I think they're they're different, but you know, I thought they were both really good. It's mass. Uh, it's mass effect enough. Mm. Uh, certainly. Uh, yeah. You know. No, it is. It is absolutely. And it's, I mean, just, it's a it's a piece of genius in terms of making uh, creating a story that actually works after Mass Effect Three. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let's just not do it then. Yeah, <laughs> let's, just, let's just take, take them out. Six hundred years yeah. in the future and take them to a different galaxy. Yeah. But there are, you know, it's an attached sort of thing. Yeah, that's, works really that, well. That is really clever bit of yeah. storytelling, and that's something that they've always been really good at. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else have I done? Oh yeah, I've watched Rogue One a few more times since it came <laughs> on DVD. I haven't <laughs> yet. I've only seen it in the cinema once, so I need to watch it a few more times. Interesting though, it's not quite as rewatchable as I thought it would be. Really? Yeah. It's kind of it's a really, really good film and yeah. it set the bar really high for The Last Jedi. Yeah. But it's quite shallow. But then it's it's a filler, right? It's an in-between bit. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean it's it, got, it, it closes, it there's no a, plot holes, there's nothing to, to worry about. It's just what it is. Yeah, it has a sort of limited yeah. space that it can fit into, I guess. Yeah. Um so it's kind of yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. Um and I've been reading books. <laughs> wow um, have you heard of Tad Williams the name rings a bell so yeah. Tad Williams has written lots of different books but he's primarily fantasy right and he wrote a series like I don't know a couple of decades ago I think set in a world called Ostenard and it was like a trilogy with four books in it right yeah, uh, yeah. so not a trilogy but yeah, a trilogy. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the Memory Sorrow and Thorn trilogy and it's really like old school high fantasy Really right. like proper old school. Yeah, and yeah. It builds up quite slowly, and then it's kind of by the end of the last book, the world's at risk. That that kind of thing. And he's he re, he's he's got a new series that follows that series coming out like decades later. Right. That everyone's really excited about. But in between, he's done a kind of a book, a standalone book, kind of an Empire Strikes Back type thing. In that it doesn't really work if you didn't read the first lot. Right. And it kind of sets up the second lot. And it's, it's, it was really good, but it's got, you know, elves in it, but they're not like elves. They're something else, but they're kind of elves, really. All right. the tropes are in there, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's quite, it's quite good. Um, I, I think you should try it out. It's quite grown up. The the themes are quite sort of grown up themes, certainly more so. It feels more so than the, the original series was kind of very traditional. Okay. But there was, it was a, essentially this one book was about the futility of war. So it was, 
it was a follow-up to the end of this big war and the bad guys have run away because it's all failed. Right. And then this army, the sort of victorious army, chased after them to their home with the intent of wiping them out. So you've gone from the good guys and the bad guys to nobody's, sort of you're not really sure. Who, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's really good. But he's done, he's done lots of stuff. I mean, one of the things, there's a series that he did around um, an angel called Bobby Dollar. Fantastic. These are the first ones that I read. <laughs> And essentially, he's on Earth. He's kind of like a private detective. Right. It's it's kind of, I don't know what it's like. It's kind of, he's dealing with like supernatural issues. So yes. he's there. He's, he works for heaven, right? Yeah. But he's, it's the seedy side of, of, of it all. Right. And yeah. um, he's, take, he's dealing with like demons. So if a demon comes to Earth and does bad things, they're allowed to intervene. Right. But it's yeah, bad yeah. and he drinks too much and... And he and he goes <laughs> to like dodgy places and and um and he doubts it all as well. He doubts. He starts to doubt what's going on and what he's Sound, been told. And sounds it's, like a bit of a cross between the TV show Supernatural and and Constantine. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Interesting. Uh, and also there are other god. There are other sort of deities from uh, from other religions in right, it as well. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's really, it's just really, really entertaining. Yeah. I'd, I would recommend it. Bobby Dollar, right? Really, really. And there's also, um, even though the guy's American and it's set in America, there are some ghosts in it, um, like brummy ghosts, <laughs> right? Which is the most out of place thing um, <laughs> called the Solly Hall Sisters. <laughs> right. Right. Not spelt the same way, Solly Hall, but the yeah, Solly yeah. Sisters, but they've got, they're brummies basically. And they're, apparently they were murderers or something like that. Um, but they're, they're, it's really strange reading about these ghosts and he, they give him information sometimes. Right. But they're proper brummies, um, <laughs> which is just, it's the most hilarious thing to sort of suddenly come across in this book that's set in like California or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd recommend that. But I've just, that, that book I've just finished and he's, the new series, uh, I think it's June, something like that comes out. Yeah. Um, so I'm patiently waiting. But yeah. I read those, you know, it's a big chunk of books to read. Uh, but the Bobby Dollar ones are good fun and they're kind of work as standalone books but they're, mm. they're really good fun interesting really good I might fun. go and look those up um, oh yeah Top Gear as well yes Top Gear I would yes you're the one person I wanted to ask about what are you thinking about the new Top Gear I, you know what I, I like it good it started off a bit slow yeah yeah but it just got better and better yeah. and better and the relationship between the character between the characters yeah, <laughs> between yes. the guys yeah um, is, the, is a really important you know, ingredient. They got better and better and more and more natural and they're mm. sort of falling into their natural sort of roles. Yeah. You know, yeah, you've got the, the nerdy racer who's like, you know, picking flies and everything. You got the American. Yeah. Who's, who's he's, yeah, yeah, and he's playing his part really, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing up to his, the, the yeah. expectation of him. And then you've got the sort of like, the guy who's really like, like a puppy enthusiastic with stuff, you yeah. know, but they all treat him kind of a bit like the hamster, right? He's yeah. like, kind of, I know he's not like the hamster, but yeah. that's kind of the role that he's in. Yeah. And, um, and it, and it works. Yeah. And, and yes, it's very scripted just like all the others. Yeah. My criticism of Top Gear when, when it ended, when when it, when the old era ended, yeah. was that it was too scripted. And my criticism of Grand Tour was that it's just so polished and so scripted, nothing felt natural. So every yeah. you knew everything was finely tuned and finely balanced, and so it had lost any element of surprise, or it just wasn't. It just didn't feel natural. But this kind of felt some of these interactions, although they're probably still scripted, they just felt good. Yeah. And, and and I enjoyed it, and yeah. possibly the last few that the last few in the series was some of the best ones that I've seen for yeah. years. I would say, yeah, I I think they've been doing a phenomenal job with it. I think it's it, the the as you say exactly what you said really the the fact that it it didn't yeah you know, they weren't quite gelling, but there was something there when it yeah. first started, and it's just got better and better as it's gone through. I mean, it's it's numbers 
aren't quite as high as it was when it first returned last time. Right. But it's holding steady. Yeah, whereas you know, it didn't hold steady at all. Yeah, whereas it <laughs> fell off a cliff last yeah, time. They've not had that. Yeah. Um, and we always knew it was going to get lower, you know, because of the yeah the fact that Hammond, Clarkson and May were such a big draw. So yeah. it was always going to be lower. But I, I think, you know, in some respects, having that last season fail has helped them quite a lot. Yeah, because they didn't lose this time, yeah, yeah. really. Um, There's only one way to go. You know, it, I, I don't think there's going to be any issue with bringing it back again. Because it's had a much more positive reaction this time than it did last time. Oh, so I, I enjoyed it and I kind of lost the old Top Gear. It kind of lost me a bit. So I yeah, still yeah. watched it, but it was just like, oh, just I was just disappointed constantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seemed to be a bit more car focused as well this time around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are they are still doing kind of some of the stunts, but the, you know, the stunts have got a little less. Safe. It's like I mean, Top Gear was maybe five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. You know. Um, so there's there's a, a range of cars that they're deliberately, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not just supercars. Yeah. And there was a Ducati in it as well. Yeah. Really yeah, good. Yeah, Mal yeah. and clearly, unless that was a double, a body double, padded out body double. Um, <laughs> I suspect not. No, I mean, he the can reason... throw that thing around. I yeah. was really impressed. No, I mean, he, he seems to really like his bike, so... You know. Not bad for a big guy. No. <laughs> there was a bit where I did laugh. There was the, the episode before last, I think, where he was talking about um, what tends to happen when um, large car manufacturers make supercars. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the guy in the cup holder department and then the, the fat guy department guy <laughs> to make sure fat guys can fit <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. And he was only slightly smaller than the fat guy. That they were, and you thought, hang on, it's <laughs> only we noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's, it's all those uh, Joey donuts, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, really, yes, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, yeah, for me, there's been a few interesting things this week. Uh, obviously, after um, Mass Effect, I was looking for something to go back and play. So I went back onto the Old Republic for a bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm working through uh, the Imperial Agent, one of the Imperial Agent Sniper. Good. Yeah, Imperial Agent's a good story. Yeah, so... Um, and. You, I remember last time we talked, you said you could basically go through without doing anything other than the storyline yeah. missions. So I'm I'm doing that, and I, I've gone in like two days. I went from basically one to 26, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, so it's it's fairly easy. You could easy argue they've made it too easy, but by this point, most people playing it have already struggled through the whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most people are and replaying. It's not so. like, and, and I don't think they have made it too easy. I think, you know, if you want to go and do all those other quests, they yeah. are there. There's but, a benefit to doing it, but yeah. if you don't want to, if you're replaying, like, yeah. like I said, most people probably are now. Yeah, exactly. You can just do the bits you haven't done before. I, I mean, I'd sort of gone through, because... I could take, I haven't played the new storylines yet, so I, I could take my high-level character and go and do those storylines. But part of me is like, I, I can't quite remember exactly what I'm doing or how yeah. to play and stuff. So I thought, well, I'll go and start with a you know level one character yeah. and decided the Imperial Agent because I remember that everybody saying that was quite a good storyline. So I'm playing through that right so now. So on reflection, having played through all of the current content a couple of times, yeah, I would say that the bit you're doing now is probably the best bit. Right. So the original story yeah. is better than the current new bits. And mm, the reason I say that is because there's more variation in it. Right. So you had you were either um you are the Republic or you're Imperial. Yeah. So that's two stories. Yeah. And then within those you've got your stories around the profession, the career that you've chosen. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of different stories and lots and lots of stuff 
that mm. you can get through. As soon as you get into the new stuff, the Eternal Throne stuff, you've got yeah. one story. Right, yeah. Regardless yeah. of how you play it, right. regardless of whether you were Imperial or Republic. So everybody goes through one everybody story. Everybody goes through one story. And while it's good, yeah. and I enjoyed it, you're not going to want to put all your characters you, through it. You'd not. You, yeah, exactly. I've, I've got to the point where I've got lots of characters I could put through it. There's no point because it's yeah. the same. And it does make it easier for them to add extra material because they're writing one lot of stuff, yeah, one but, lot of voice actors. Mm. But you've lost that replayability and they've put lots of effort into endgame stuff like grinding and all that stuff. But None of us have ever been no, into that. So. So I'm, at the, I'm at the point where I've got lots of tunes that are at that level, but I've, I've only taken two tunes, one tune to the very end, yeah, one part way through and then I've kind of lost interest in it a bit. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. But I mean, it's not like there isn't enough other content in that game. Exactly. To make it it's worth much going better out, to so. go to the beginning yeah. and play from the beginning yeah. than it is to create, because you can create a level 60 and now a level 65 yeah, yeah. To, to catch up. But actually, why do that when it's much more interesting to go to the very start? Well, that was sort of it. You know, again? I, I don't want to jump into, I didn't want to create a level 65 for, I've already got one character that's I think level 60 yeah. and I don't want I've, to I've actually I've even cancelled my sub right I will okay. resub again when new content comes out because yeah. I do want to keep up with it and I have been enjoying it but because I've played pretty much most of the I've got so many yeah, different yeah. tunes now and I, I just the replayableness <laughs> <laughs> you can be good or you can be bad that's the only real difference yeah. but actually ultimately it makes no difference to the outcomes so yeah you know it, it's a bit interesting because the next bit, it looks to me like the next bit that's going to come out very soon is you basically fall out with the Republic because you end up like king of the world, right? Right, yeah. yeah uh, you're going to fall out with the Republic or, and the Empire or one or the other. And it does, I do wonder whether you have to pick sides again. And it would be right. very good to get back to that Empire yeah, to, Republic thing. Yeah. Because that's a bit that I've been really missing. Mm, okay. That would be great yeah. to do, but. Because I can't see where it goes now, because you've kind of overthrown Valkorian. Right, okay. Properly killed Valkorian, and you are literally on the throne yourself. Right, um, okay. And so, yeah. what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah, where do you go from where there? Where do you go from there? So, yeah. oh, that'll be interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying playing through it, and it gives me something to, to kind of play through. And the other thing that I've got circling is uh, I've got a um, Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, yeah, like, so I've well. downloaded that. I haven't, I haven't really, I've played it a little bit and then kind of moved away from it, not because it was particularly bad or anything. It was just... I think something else came along. And I haven't I tried it. it. So there's a whole lot of free to play stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, certainly on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, there's the the Dungeons and Dragons one. Yeah, Never yeah. Winter, whatever it Never is. Never Winter. Yes, that's that's quite good fun. It is good I fun. Played that. It's pretty basic. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's nice I mean, it's, it's, it's a few years old now, but it's, yeah. it's good fun. So I've been playing that. I've still been playing Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek's uh, always know. good fun. And the Xbox version of it has now caught up with the PC version. Oh, okay. So cool. when I first started playing it, when I first downloaded it, it was like it wasn't as far as it was when I stop playing the pc version so i'm back right. on the pc version i was yeah, like wow yeah. things have really moved on and but now it's kind of where they're in the same okay. place more or less that's good there's the dc online on kicking around on there it is it is i've yeah. tried it not it's not brilliant i didn't love it no I didn't love it's it. not good i mean well it's not it's not bad it's just not great you know yeah there are better things out there i think yeah no i, di- I didn't love it it's good for a bit 
but yeah. it made me a bit nostalgic for you know the old days. Yes, um, City but, of Heroes. Yeah, City of Heroes. What's that? I smell spandex. <laughs> <laughs> Those sort of comments were like, yeah, yeah, but it's brilliant. But yeah, yeah, it made me nostalgic for City of Heroes. But no, it's not. It's not that great. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. So I mean, that's that's been my main kind of gaming thing. In uh, other things that are out this week, of course, it was Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, so so um, Last Jedi trailer. Yeah, thoughts it doesn't give me enough, man. It's not enough. It's, definitely, it's like I know it's a teaser, but it's teasing me too much. Yeah. It's just not enough there. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was interesting not having Luke speak at all in the first movie and give him basically all the lines in this trailer. Yeah, yeah, he's well. got more lines in the trailer than he had in the, the movie. Uh, the, the, um, the thing about the Jedi should end, I thought, yeah. was kind of an interesting point and will be debated, that's, I'm sure. I'm sure that's just his point of view at that point in time and then she'll change I, his mind or something will happen. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, the post is quite kind of interesting, although, as you pointed out when I posted it, it does look somewhat like Thundercats. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, po- the poster I thought was was quite interesting because you've got the blue lightsaber going yeah. into the red. Yeah. So uh, look, there has been some speculation about the Jedi needs to end. It's more the Jedi needs to change. Yeah, and now that's interesting because that that's actually a theme in uh, Old Republic in yeah. the in the expansion right, part of okay. it. And it's yeah. one of the arguments for them, you know, getting rid of the good and the bad side, and you can play through is that there's yeah. a whole section where you've got a leader of the Jedi and a leader of the Sith working yeah. together and teaching your character that they have to kind of balance it's about balancing the force rather than one or the other and the force is unbalanced and the only way to win is to understand this balance and yeah that, that could be a could be a similar thing could be a yeah similar thing. i mean I, that that is is quite possible i think maybe that's where they're going with it and that goes that harks back to that to the to the original not the original but the prequels where they're talking about the legend of the, the the kid that will bring balance to the force yeah they never said that he'd win and be a jedi they just said that he would bring balance to the, to the force yes and maybe that's so there the, is a lot of talk about what balance means and yeah. yeah so that that's kind of interesting kylo ren's mask all screwed up yes i i thought it was vader's maybe originally but no it's not it's kylo ren's mask yeah and i mean admittedly at this point there is no need for him to have it no it's probably just a temper tantrum again yeah and it? it was yeah you know the guy's got a temper so maybe that's why he's crushed it but he did yeah. look in the the brief flash of him that you get he looked kind of like he did in the previous one i was yeah. kind of hoping he'd be a bit more beat up and have some cybernetics going on yeah maybe but so so i don't know we'll see but um i thought that was kind of interesting yeah i overall and a nice little little teaser they there's been a few other bits and pieces come out from uh from star wars this weekend as well which we'll come on to but the other thing as well which i can now talk about is american gods because the embargo has lifted today. Right. And that looks amazing. It, it, it's phenomenal. Really? It's absolutely phenomenal. I, I mean, this is, it, it's interesting. It's going out on Amazon Prime over here because I'm, I'm astonished that one of the main networks didn't go for it and didn't pick it up. And Amazon have deeper pockets though. Well, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why. It's Amazon but, or Sky, isn't it, basically? Yeah, I, but I'm surprised Sky Atlantic didn't, didn't pick it up as something as a, another potential replacement i suppose it's it, i think part of it might be the fact that you know they've already got the deals with hbo and showtime so maybe that's why they wouldn't go maybe. for it because it's stars but it's it's game of thrones level kind of really i i just in, in terms of not not in terms of budget to make it i don't think but it's beautifully beautifully shot it's weird it's interesting it's different 
unlike anything else you've seen. I, have you read the book? No, I no. haven't. This is one of those ones, kind of like Expanse, where it's do I go out and get the books or? Yeah. I quite enjoy watching the telly, I'll be honest. Yeah, I know yeah. everyone goes, books are great, but I, I love watching the telly. No, well, I'm lazy, I'm, right? But I'm sort of the same. I don't want to spoil the, it. Yeah, I, I, now I, I sort of said this to some of the guys. They said, oh, you're a big fan of the book. And I'm like, well, to be honest, I haven't read the book. No. And now there's a TV show. I sort of don't want to read no. the book. It's like I've never read Game so of Thrones. The book, you know, you, it will happen if you read the book. It'll be like Lord of the Rings all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it'll just annoy you. <laughs> so, no, there's... there's um. An interesting scene, which I believe is is ripped directly directly from the book, with Bilquis, who is one of the uh, the old goddesses. Which they th- those that know the book will probably know what I'm talking about. But there is a scene that they recreate for the TV show, and it's probably a scene that you read the book and go, "Well, that's never going to go into a TV show." <laughs> <laughs> and and they have most definitely recreated it, and it's quite spectacular. But. Uh, They've, there's so, so some very interesting stuff going on. It's basically a road trip movie with uh, Mr. Wednesday, who is Odin, which I think is yeah. fairly well known, yeah. and um, Ricky Whittle's character, Shadow Moon. And it's sort of a road trip between those two with um, Mr. Wednesday going round and trying to recruit the rest of the old gods in an oncoming battle with the new gods. So you get to meet them. You also get to meet various new gods. I think Technical Boy is the only one that shows up in the first episode as far as I remember. But you you get to meet these guys, and the new gods are kind of irritating, <laughs> to, you know, the, to, to me anyway. But uh, yeah, the yeah, the old old gods are far more interesting and cooler, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I just I thought it was absolutely astounding, and looks like it's going to be one of the best things on TV this year. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so it's only it. it's only eight episodes the first season, but they're going to be spectacular. I'm fairly confident. Um, really, really liked it. So yeah, I, it, it's one of those things that there's a lot of good stuff on Amazon Prime at the moment, and I would go out and get Amazon Prime just to get American Gods right now. Yeah, it's well worth it. It took me a while to get it, and to be fair, I probably only got it for Grand Tour. Yeah, <laughs> but now I, I'm, I wasn't that bothered with Grand Tour by the end of it, and yeah. um, I'm just really glad I've got it. I probably would be getting it anyway now. Yeah, yeah, that, that just looks amazing. I mean, all, the, it, all the footage I've seen so far just looks amazing. Yeah, it, it's, and it's just absolutely stunning. spot on in terms of the kind of thing that I like. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and. Uh, You've got, I mean, yeah, well, on, on Amazon Prime, you've also got like things like Sneaky Pete, you've got Lucifer, you've got Man in the High Castle. I mean, I there's so much. I haven't, I haven't watched Sneaky Pete, but Lucifer is, is. Yeah, I know, I know it's, 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 it's not that, a good adaptation of the book, no. but it's a good adaptation for TV. And some of it, some of the, some of it is stuff that would normally I wouldn't really enjoy, but I, even, even I, when they, when, when they got together, even I went, yay! And then I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> How romantic. Yes, what? Huh? A cynical person, I know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's funny. Um, one of the other things on Amazon Prime, actually, um, uh, which I don't know whether you've watched, but Oasis, which is the sci-fi pilot they've got on there no, at the moment. I haven't. Which uh, has is it Richard Madden from Game of Thrones played the guy who was king of the north and got killed him yeah, yeah him and uh he's in a few things yeah it's him and with his natural scottish accent i'm assuming that's his natural scottish accent uh and mark addy no he's like sheffield accent yeah <laughs> yeah and uh is it mark addy the the guy that 
um, played the the king in season one. Yeah. So it's the, those those are two of the characters in, in this uh, pilot episode, and it's it's essentially you start off on Earth, set in the nearish future. It's set in London. The lead character is a priest. They've started this oasis project, which is on an unnamed other planet, mm-hmm. which takes X amount of years to get there. So he gets a note from his friend who is running this oasis project and it's this kind of garbled message that basically says you know i know i wanted to set this up without religion involved but i feel now the way things are going we need a priest you have to come he's never a good sign his wife his his wife on earth is is dying of something or other and she eventually dies so he sort of thinks screw it and gets on the the ship and gets sent to this other planet and the planet itself there is something strange going on people seem to be having visions of of things of dead people and of events that have happened and that sort of stuff so what was that there was a series yeah um outcast you're thinking of on bbc yeah yeah Yeah, there is an element of that to it um it's not quite as detective like led as that sort of was but um yeah it got it's one of the those amazon pilot things that they do yeah a very interesting kind of pilot thing i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing a bit more of that i thought it was quite good because it left a lot of things sort of unanswered as you'd expect from the pilot episode so. yeah are there spires that they have to activate in a vault there <laughs> no no <laughs> not quite that no. but yes yeah, a very interesting uh very interesting pilot that i quite like that other stuff this week doctor who of course yeah. came back did you see the... I did. The, yes. What did you think? It was a slow burner, right? It was... Yeah. It was a very slow burner. Um, it's Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of know and what I mean. that's not a bad thing. That's no. not a good thing. Um, but it wasn't anything I didn't expect. Um, the usual thing of not really knowing what the hell's going on until right near the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is kind of nice. I, you know, yeah. the, there's, there's all the jeopardy and all of that stuff. Um, but it was quite a slow one. Yeah, I I thought it was an interesting thing to start because it wasn't kind of, you know, all driving action stuff. I I, I do really like Peter Capaldi as I do. as that sort of older doctor and I thought setting it in a university was kind of an interesting idea yeah. as well. Yeah. With him kind of starting off there. There's of course the other thing that's come out from a report from the Mirror so I I take it extremely with a pinch of salt, but uh this this idea that Chris Marshall He's possibly going to be the next Doctor from Chris Marshall from Death in Paradise and Love Actually and various other yeah. things. I mean, fine. I think I don't think he would be bad at it. I, I I'm a bit surprised if it is if they've gone for the the white middle aged male. Yeah, it is. It is a bit obvious. Yeah, which I don't know. You know, he's um, and we do the bit. There have been with every change of Doctor. There's been a a dead cert rumour that's been incorrect. Yeah. Almost deliberate, I think. And it's the way this has been leaked. The other thing is there have been a lot of stories coming out basically saying that the regeneration this time is odd. There's something strange going to happen with the regeneration. Right. And uh, Peter said this himself. And I think Moffat made some comments about it it not being straightforward and peter's also said that he's shot he's made very careful to say he shot his death but hasn't made anything about the fact that he shot the regeneration right yet but they did show a regeneration thing in the coming 
bassoon mm-hmm. clip at the end, mm-hmm. as well as the master yeah. showing up, obviously. Which is amazing. Which is brilliant. Yeah, I, I think Johnson's well. going to be fabulous. <laughs> but so that's sort of interesting to me. I I I think that the whole Chris Marshall thing, I I think is a bit of a misdirect. Yeah, I think he's a decoy. I I. I mean, I think he's probably in it. I think there's a good chance he's in it. I mm-hmm. just think somebody's got the wrong end of the stick somewhere and he might not be the next iteration of the Doctor. I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors going on somewhere. Again. I mean, if he is, it's fine. There are I, certainly, think he'd be right. I think he'd be perfectly fine. I just think they're a, missing a trick. Yeah, I, but I, I'm not entirely convinced because Peter's also said that he's got to go and shoot the Christmas episode, which he's also in. Yeah. So either they're going to end up doing a sort of two doctor thing to go with the two master thing, maybe. Mm, so maybe. previous doctor and I don't know, maybe, which would be an interesting one because they have done yeah, they have. doctor, multiple doctors, multiple doctors before, but I that, think in a Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. they did, they did it for the, I mean, the only, I think the only time they've done it recently was for the, the 50th anniversary yeah. special. So, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. There are ways that they could do it, but the fact that they're making this thing about, well, the regeneration isn't, is different this time. That, that could be interesting. Maybe we're going to have two doctors for like half the season or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think that there's, over the course of the last few seasons, few doctors, I think it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. And they've opened up all these opportunities, but just to go, to another pretty obvious choice yeah choice just feels mm, yeah no i know what you mean i know what you mean so um yeah i don't i don't know i mean i you know but i i Do- like the, the doctor's episode. got a daughter so yeah that's that's a thing that's just been left hanging forever yes yeah well that, that is it and they are sort of they, they are i mean you look at the photos that were on the desk in the opening episode yeah. and you know they are talking a bit more about the family thing yeah. and whether there's something coming from that i don't know there are lots of things that they could do with it. So we'll see how the rest of the series goes. But I thought it was a perfectly good opener, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think Bill's going to be an interesting companion. I think she's she's quite fun. Yeah. You know, they've dispelled any possibility of a romantic entanglement at the moment. So, Which was just... Yeah. I'm not sure I got on with that anyway. Yeah, because be exactly, which is is good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I thought it was really good fun and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it and I want to know what is going to go on with the regeneration because there is something hinky there, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, lots of, lots of interesting stuff in there. I think we'll be talking long enough on that sort of thing. So let's move on to some film and TV news. So we'll kick off the film and TV news this week with some renewals. Um, first one is American Gods, <laughs> which apparently has <laughs> apparently already been renewed for a second season, even though the first season hasn't come out yet. So there's a good sign for you. Yeah, that's good. That's a vote of confidence. Yes, They're definitely. Clearly, yeah. Grace and Frankie been renewed for a fourth season, which I still haven't got around to watching, but everybody tells me is brilliant. That's a Netflix series. Uh, Shadow Hunters is back for a third series. Nashville is back for a sixth <sighs> series, um, which I think some people were quite surprised by, given the events of series five, apparently. Uh, but it's not a show I watch, but that's the impression I get from bits and pieces I've been reading. Um, Poldark has been renewed for a fourth series, apparently. Mm. 
Um, again, disappointed not... noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there'll be a lot of some women out there that are quite happy yeah. about Yay! that, I'm sure. Um, the Magicians renewed for a third season as well. Fear the Walking Dead coming back for a fourth season, which is interesting because that's been a bit shaky in the ratings. Yeah. Uh, the Path, which is the show Aaron Paul went on to do after Breaking Bad, that's been renewed for a third season, which is Joe's on Amazon over here, but again, not one I've watched. And one of the news that came oh, out no. from uh, Star no. Wars Celebration was Star Wars Rebels oh. will be ending at its fourth season. I'm so, this is just, it's got to end, right? Because well, well, yeah. It was only set like five years before. Yeah, as, as we, we were yeah. talking about earlier with, you know, Rogue One, it has a limited yeah. shelf life because you can only, yeah, there's only so much stories you can tell. And there were to references to it in Rogue One as well. Yeah, yeah, there which were. Is, which I is mean, great. the weather was. Yeah, characters that they've Named used in. characters, yeah, and yeah. then, but yeah, I'm... I mean, uh, Sol Guerrero is a character that came yeah. out of, well, the uh, Clone Wars cartoon yeah. originally, but has shown up in Rogue One as well. I do like the way that Disney have joined them all together like that. Oh, I know. I mean, I know people got very uppity about them throwing away the expanded universe, but they've 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 not thrown it away. They've just put it to one side yeah. and then folded bits of it back in again. Yeah, and I think that's genius. Yeah. That's absolutely genius. Um, yeah, what's going to happen to them? It's just really... Well, this is it. I mean, because... Are it's they all a... gonna die? Is it going to be a Rogue One and they're going to die at the end of the last episode? Well, I, I don't know. I it's mean, a kid's programme. You can't you... kill them all off. Yeah. I can't this, this is the thing. I, I mean, can't it, it. Is, I mean it is, it's loved by kids and adults as well. So what are you going to do at the end of it? Because you've got two Jedis who never show up again. Um, yeah. So at least so far, anyway, yeah. they haven't shown up anywhere. So what happens to them? The, you've also got Rogue One, which had Ghost in the yeah. space it sequence. Did. It did. So that would imply that somebody, uh, the ship at least survives. So some of them may still survive. Yeah. So. Well, it depends when it ends. Well, <laughs> it yeah. It might not end. It might be a little bit of overlap. Into yeah, maybe, it, maybe it overlaps yeah. into that battle. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Um, so, it's, yeah, it, it's really interesting. And, I mean, it's not been cancelled. It's It was Dave Filoni's decision, uh, who's the co-creator. It was basically the person in charge. But it's not... It's not- they are going to bring out another animated series. Yes. It's not going to be the end of animated series. They are apparently, certainly from what Dave Filoni was saying in that panel, it does sound like they're working on something else. It's just that he wanted to end this on his own terms, having not had the chance to finish Clone Wars how he wanted to. Yeah. Um, he wanted to end this on his own terms. And and as he said, there is only so much story that we can tell with these particular characters. Yeah. So I, I think what we're going to see is an end of Star Wars Rebels and then something else which will probably be equally as brilliant, but set in a, a different slot of timeline somewhere. Yeah. I'm, so, still, I'm still reading from the end of the previous season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do I, you know what I mean? It's, they can't do that to me again. Yeah. I just phenomenally well written yeah. and the way that they're folding in other characters and they're bringing in people from the films and people back from the legend side. I mean, bringing yeah. Thrawn in was yeah. yeah, just fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and using the original writer as well to do it. And it is so well written. Yeah. And if you, if you compare it to early Clone Wars episodes, yeah, it has come on so much. Yeah. I mean, he was a kid's program. Yeah. And then it became, uh, it seemed to find its feet and it, then it got canned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then they really 
everything they've learned, they've totally poured into Rebels. Yeah, I mean, Rebels is definitely aimed at, at a family audience of things that you know fathers and mothers can watch yeah. with their kids. You know, so much more. It's it's one of those things that's a family audience disguised as a kids show. Yeah. So you know, I I will be sad to see it go, but I'm also very interested to see what they do next. So um. Yeah, and I I do wonder if they're going to end up folding some of those characters in further into other films, and we get to see some of them in live action at some point, which will that be would quite be cool. interesting. Yeah, that would be so, cool. You know, um, particularly people like Ahsoka and Sabine, and yeah. you know those those sort of characters would be interesting to see if they're still kicking around. So I I don't know. Were they young enough? Yeah, exactly. They're young enough. It's just whether they yeah. survived everything. Yeah, you know. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. Sticking with Marvel and Disney and that sort of stuff, there's been some casting announcements for Deadpool, which te- technically is Fox, actually. It's Fox and Marvel. But, um, yes, they announced that Joss Brolin would be playing Cable in Deadpool <laughs> 2. And Cable being sort of Deadpool's on-off partner, because Cable and Deadpool have their own book together. Thoughts on this casting? I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good. The guys, the the, the humour in Deadpool, I yeah. know it was childish humour. Oh, yes. But, but it... Just Brolin fits in there. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm just thinking about it makes me laugh. I mean, it's such a funny movie that it's such a shame I can't share it with kids. Yes, it is <laughs> such a, a pity because, yeah, Josh Brolin's, uh, I mean, he's he's done comic book stuff before. Yeah. I mean, he, he's done, he was in Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. He played Jonah Hex in the uh, 2010 movie. He was in Men in Black 3 as the young Agent K, as well as being sort of an Oscar winner for like Milk and No Country for Old Men and Sicario yeah. and Hell Caesar. So, I mean, he's done things like Hell Caesar and, and Men in Black as well. So, you know, he's used to doing he can do more this. comedic yeah, stuff. I, I think he's a really good fit. I mean, they there was rumours at one point that Piers Brosnan might do it, which was a sort of interesting choice. But I think... I think Josh Brolin really fits. Yeah, I, I really do. And of course, uh, the other thing he's he's playing for the big thing is that he's playing Thanos on the Disney Marvel side. Yeah. So he's he's in two Marvel films. I mean, admittedly, you would never know that it's him because he's basically CGI'd over. Yeah. Um, and it's it's primarily, I'm assuming, voice work, but there may be some facial stuff. But he's he's major player in in both Disney's and Fox's Marvel franchise at this point, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, C- Cable's an interesting character as well. He's the son of Cyclops and Madeline Pryor, who was a clone of Jean Grey, who I've j- I'm not going to even attempt to explain <laughs> any more than that. Um, so, yeah. I, I expect there to be a sequence in the film <laughs> going over that and making making it funny. Yes, I'm sure there will be and some sort of jokes about his name as well. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, he's, his powers are telepathy, telekinesis, and he can ma- manipulate technology. He's also an expert marksman, has cybernetic enhancements, has a kind of glowing eye, and I think half his body's sort of cybernetic. So, um, and he's, he's effectively from the future, I believe, which is why he's older than Scott, any version of Scott Summers we've ever seen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm sure they'll just be like, look, just go with it. It's Deadpool. You're fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get away with a lot, but it was a good, it was such a good, good film. Yeah, about it was it. so funny and so well put together. So uh, it's been directed by a guy called David Letch, who is um, primarily known for doing the stunt work. He's done it. He's directed a couple of little things, but uh, primarily he was he's a stunt coordinator. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what sort of ridiculous things that they managed to pull off in this. Yeah, what I hope they don't do is pay too much attention to some of the serious reviews in like The Guardian and things like that. Yeah, we talked yeah. about Deadpool and we're a bit snotty about it. I know it's really childish humour. And... They're not going to lose that. It's I Ryan Reynolds. Have you seen Ryan Reynolds in interviews? Exactly. It's just, there's exactly. no way. Well, the, the, thing that, the thing that I think these reviews are completely missing was the point that have they read any of the comics? Yeah, that exactly. is the way Deadpool is. That's yeah. it's childish, stupid humour. That's the way it is. It's yeah. supposed to be that way. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they maintain that and they stick to their guns. I'm sure they will do. I'm sure they will do. Uh due out next year, Deadpool 2, apparently, at some point. So I look forward to I hope they do the same sort of thing with the trailers. The trailers Oh, the marketing around that amazing. was was just amazing. The posters yeah. and yeah, just brilliant. It's a gift. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to that, to that definitely. Um, another bit of casting, Jude Law to play Albus Dumbledore in Fantastic Beast 2, apparently. <sighs> so said when I posted this on the website, number number 46 on phrases I never thought I'd say about Jude Law. He's a great actor. I mean, he is. He's yeah. an interesting actor because he, he's flown very much. He's he's A-list, but he's... Sort of, he's he flies as kind of a minus list. He just sort of manages to kind of bumble it away. Means he gets underneath to do it. interesting things, though. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he's not pigeonholed. He doesn't yeah. just do the things where he's got no choice about what's going on because it's been essentially written by focus groups. Yeah, he gets to do the interesting movies. Yeah, and I actually, I mean, originally I was like, really, but. You know, because we're so used to Dumbledore being the old guy. Yeah. Actually, as a young Dumbledore, I mean, he can do this sort of stuff. He's, yeah, upper class, sort of British, yeah. slightly mischievous. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think he'll, he'll be quite good. I mean, you look at it, you know, he did those Sherlock Holmes movies, which I thought was were perfectly acceptable, good fun. You know, I, I think he'll be interesting in this, I think. The only thing I hope they don't do is turn him into that sort of British English caricature character. Yeah. Like a kind of Dirk Gently yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. That that would kind of... Yes. I mean, we don't know I'm exactly sure how... But... I'm sure we won't because, yeah. I mean, it's been written by JK. Yeah. So JK's writing the script again. Infuriatingly, that woman not only has a, you know, can write multi-million best-selling books, then goes on to become... A screenwriter on you know yeah. just because she can and owns Twitter <laughs> yeah, yeah oh yeah Absolutely oh just Twitter. phenomenal on Twitter on her Twitter as well so her and James Blunt I think yeah. <laughs> James Blunt's Twitter account is just amazing um, it's yeah. worth having Twitter just to follow the two of them yeah yeah they they are brilliant so yeah I mean uh, I I really enjoyed the first Fantastic Beast movie I thought it was um, really well put together I mean very different from the Harry Potter stuff but you know yeah and that's good. Thing because yeah. it's no secret that I'm not a mad fan of Harry Potter, yeah, at all, yeah. <laughs> but this wasn't it wasn't too bad. No, I'm no. possibly the wrong person to talk to. Well, about it's not really it's aimed not a, at us, is yeah, it particularly? No, but no. Uh, you know, I thought it was a perfectly good, fun family movie. I, yeah, you know, really enjoyed it. So, I love fantasy stuff as well. Yeah, I've just never quite. No, I know. I mean, the, the Harry, the Harry Potter. Potter stuff. Personally, it gets better as the kids get older. And yeah. the acting gets better as the kids get older. Yeah, you know? true. So, there's so, always been that know. thing where I've never really liked anything that's got kids in. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. It's not the VVV, no. is it? Really? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I think that's an interesting bit of casting. To say, it's it's only known as Fantastic Beats 2. It won't be known as Fantastic Beasts when it comes out. It'll be the Aardvark of Truth or Kettle of Doom. Or... And then, obviously, the screenplay will be released as a book and everybody will buy that. We'll and buy then it'll the be book. a bestseller yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Because just you could... J.K. Rowling's licensed to print, print yeah. money, yeah. yeah. Just crazy. 
And the last news story we've got is John Cleese is returning to <laughs> the, the BBC. On the subject of money. Yeah, on the subject <laughs> of needing money. Uh, John Cleese is returning to the BBC um, in a new sitcom called Edith with uh, Alison Steadman and Jason Watkins. I mean, I don't know. He has said this is the most enjoyable script I've been sent in the last hundred years. Uh, it will also be particularly nice to work with Alison again since we joined forces on Clockwise all that time ago. So, I mean, uh, Alison Stedman, for those that don't know, she was in Gavin and Stacey. She's also in Orphan Black, which is, is due back reasonably soon as well. And Jason Watkins is from Taboo most recently. He's in W1A, he was in Trollid, and he was in Being Human, played Henrik in Being Human as well. I mean, it's a great cast. And yeah. the thing is, John Cleese generally does things for cash these days. And he's <laughs> openly admitted it. And he has, yeah. No, and he he's does. only really started working again since his last divorce. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, he did He did call his last stand-up tour the Alimony Tour. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so... He, Wait, be and, interesting. and that tour wasn't universally loved. No. It was banned. No. Yeah, in places. I saw the... I think I saw it. They recorded a version of it. Yeah. It was quite funny from what I seem to remember. But... um. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see what this actually ends up being like. I mean, it's it's the setup is pretty standard setup in that it's an elderly couple, Edith played by Stedman. She's a widow for some years. She has children that live locally and drop by regularly. She enjoyed daily visits from Phil, who is played by John Cleese, who is an old boyfriend who lives across the road. Phil dreams of marrying Edith and the pair of them want to up sticks and move abroad. After months of turning him down, she finally says yes, but then her 50-year-old son, Roger, played by Watkins, turns up on the doorstep announcing he's left his wife and the, his kids and his good job at the bank and has come home to an attempt to find his lost happiness again. So it sort of then puts him on a collision course with Edith and Phil, who's massively upset at this 50-year-old who's uh, just turned up and he's got destroyed like a all their Victor plans. He's character, isn't Yes, he? so it's almost a sort of Victor Meldrew kind of character that's really annoyed at the younger people the younger people in this case being yeah. 50 years old but <laughs> yeah um i i don't know i mean i'm it could, sure it'll do brilliantly my parents will probably love it yeah it's it seems to be aimed at, at that sort of older generation that are watching things like you know the return of the open all hours still open and hasn't all hours been, and that yeah there hasn't really been a decent series for that no, audience the, for a while like that yeah one and, foot in the grave yeah and, that sort of stuff. And I'm Keep sure it'll be hugely popular. And dredging my memory, yeah, my childhood yeah. memory of these programmes. Yeah, yeah. Keeping up appearances is the other one that does come to mind, yeah. It's got Jessica Hines in it, who was in uh, Royal Family, Hitting the Lady, W1A. Anna Reid from Last Tango and Al Zoo. Various other people. James Cosmo from uh, SSGB and Game of Thrones. So, I mean, there's... It looks like quite an expensive lineup. Yeah, I mean, there is quite a big expensive cast there. So, I mean, they've got a really good team together. And I think the thing is, if you're going to come up with a traditional sitcom these days, you need to have a really, really strong, interesting cast. Yeah, true. So although it's possibly not something that I may go out of my way to watch, I'm sure it'll be hugely popular. And it's got a great cast behind it. If it knocks Mrs. Brown's boys off the top spot, that can only be a good thing. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I, mean, I know I what you mean. It. I'm watching, I can't, don't get it. No, I've watched I a few. I'm just, I'm just watching and thinking, this is awful. I don't yes, understand. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm sorry. It is. Uh, so that's all the news for this week. We've got an interview next. <laughs> So this week's interview is with the brilliantly named Tree Adams. Uh, <laughs> 
Tree's a composer. He currently scores the ITV hit Lethal Weapon, and he also scores the 100 as well, which has just come back. Previously worked on Legends, the Sean Bean short-lived show, uh, Perception. He worked on Franklin and Bass and Californication as well. He worked as a touring musician for 10 years in the 90s with his band The Hatters, later moved on to writing music for games, TV and films. He's also performs with The Howling Vaults, which is a bluesy funk band with heavy grooves, swampy soul guitar and fat horns, apparently, Everyone according to the press. Fat horn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, which is, is kind of a super group made up of a bunch of different sort of high-profile musicians that have been in other things so i might have to look that up now yeah uh it sounds sounds very cool so they're, they're called the howling vaults but um yeah so we got a chance to sit down and talk to tree mainly about the lethal weapon and the 100 mostly is what we were kind of talking about but we cover some of his other stuff as well so we're, here's the interview with tree we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week <laughs> Hey, what's happening? All right, how are you? Good. Thanks for coming on and spending a bit of time to to chat to me. It's very kind of you. Excellent. Uh, it's always uh, always a treat. Should we start off with a little bit of background? How did you get into the industry in the first place? Well, I had been a recording artist. I was in a band, and I did that for a good decade or so. Uh, this band, the Hatters, it was like you know the Mad Hatters originally, and then they shortened it to the Hatters because somebody had a uh, copyright on that mm. or trademark. Or whatever and I guess I had met some some guys who were were doing work with computers back in the day it was like oh wow we're writing music with computers <laughs> like the mid 90s and I was like wow so you could create like a the sound of a whole orchestra by yourself in your little apartment in New York I, I was in New York at the time and uh, I thought that sounded kind of cool and, and intriguing the idea of being able to kind of mock it all up in that way and then a buddy of mine was a fan of my bands, and he he had an independent film. This guy Sam Sokolow, uh, and he said, "Hey, you want to you know take a shot at writing music for this?" And I was like, "Sure, let's try it out." And I think growing up, I, I was classically trained, and you know I had a lot of uh, musicians in my family who were you know, opening up different worlds for me. I would say like my grandmother was, she was, she was, she would play me Peter and the Wolf and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, explain how music was sort of telling stories. And, and I always sort of liked the idea of how, you know, music could provide this little substrata of story with the films I was watching or TV shows. And I loved all that stuff, you know, Star Wars, Close Encounters, all that. I, I was really into the music there, the Godfather, you know, I was a Star Trek kid, you know, I loved all that stuff. And yeah. so I think I, I was intrigued by the idea of not only kind of exploring some of these other worlds sonically and the idea of storytelling in music, but, you know, I had been in this basically kind of blues band, you know, I mean, blues, groove, sort of funk 
type of band. Like we were opening for bands like the Almond Brothers and things like that. It was right. that kind of long haired rock dudes, you know. <laughs> and I, I got a little sick of being the same dude every night. You know what I mean? We yeah. would do this hundred days a year. We would get, you know, get in the, a motorhome or a van or whatever it was that we would tour. And I mean, it was fun for the first little while, but then after a while it just became uh, rather tedious. And I think a little limiting musically, you know, and I sing and I, that was, that was cool. The songwriting and the singing part of it, but yeah, it, it's more about wanting to explore, you know, other sounds and stuff. So I think that that's what drew me in. And my girlfriend at the time and now wife, Delphine, she, she was like, Hey, you know, there's more opportunity in Los Angeles. Maybe we go there and give it a try. And so, yeah, we moved out here in 98 and, um, I've just been hammering away at it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you, you start off with like indie films and eventually move into TV. How did you get into the TV the first time and what was sort of the biggest shock landing on your first TV gig? Yeah, it was, it was a very difficult thing to break into. Um, I think, and I didn't do it the way that I, I would recommend people do it. <laughs> I think, I think it's, no, really it's, it's, it's a great business to sort of do, you know, the apprentice route, you know, where you work for another composer and they, they show you the ropes, they show you how to handle yeah. like politics. And then sometimes you get the runoff, like if they get busy, you know, and then they kind of might bless you into a gig and share a gig with you. And then kind of eventually you fly on your own. The Zimmer system. That's, yeah. how guys, that's how a lot of guys have done it. And, you know, I mean, certainly Hans Zimmer has like probably ushered in, you know, a whole generation of composers at yeah. this point. Um, and, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of assistants over the years and, and, you know, have helped get them going too in, in ways. And, and that's really rewarding to see and fun. My situation was a little different in that I, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be doing the songwriting producing thing or the composing thing. It, it hadn't really taken shape yet. Somebody early on said to me, look, you know, it's great that you can cr create, you know, classical music for these, these scenes, but you're using samples. You don't have an orchestra doing this. You're not going to compete with the reels we're getting from, you know, John Williams and Hans Zimmer or whatever. You know mm, what I mean? You're yeah. Getting so you have to bloom where you're planted and do what you're good at. Mm. And they were like, you know, your guitar stuff works like that. You could you could get in with that. So I was like, right, I'll try that. You know, I would send demos and songs and things just cold to every production company I could, every studio I could. It was a pretty, um, you, you had to have a thick skin because it was just, you know, sending stuff into the void or getting rejected or, you know, yeah. doing something on spec and not getting it all the time. Mm. Very difficult for a while. And then I think I had a big break, maybe it was 99 or so. Uh, David Grossman, who was the, the head of music at Paramount at the time, right. he calls me on a Friday night at like 6 p.m. He's like, Tree, you've been sending us all this music. You know, I understand you're trying to make a, make something happen here. We have an opportunity, if you would like, to write a theme song for a sitcom on spec, but it would be due tomorrow morning and there's no guarantee of anything. And I, I was like, <laughs> Come on, let's do it. You know, <laughs> I jump in next morning. I get the call. Well, what you did is good, but we're not going to use it. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> he's like the head of the show likes it enough that he'll get together with you and you guys could write a few things together. He's a songwriter as well. I was like, OK, cool. 
So I go to the producer's house and um, his name was Jonathan Katz. I don't know if you ever saw the show Dr. Katz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him, Jonathan Katz, the stand-up comedian. You know, he and like David Mamet are, you know, best friends. He, yeah. he is this sort of incredibly funny, quirky character. Just a great dude. Uh, I go to his house. He's doing stand-up the whole time. I'm, I'm like on the floor. I cannot play my guitar. <laughs> We write three little 30-second songs. We think they're good. We record them. We hand them in. Monday morning, I, I get the call again. So, Tree, we're not going to use anything you wrote. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, but, because it turns out the star of the show, he's got a friend. They're going to do the song. I'm like, okay, cool. But have you ever thought about writing music for a comedy? And I'm like, I'd love that. And they were like, all right, cool. And so... I got this contract that was sort of a one-off, like where every week, you know, the deal was set for every week that a VHS tape would arrive in my studio. Yeah. It wasn't guaranteed that it would be there the next week. So <laughs> for 22 episodes, I was like on pins and needles, like hoping the next tape would come up. And that was uh, this sitcom called Raising Dad with Bob Saget. And that was the beginning, you know, and then it was a series of like, okay, somebody on that you know, enjoyed yeah. working with me, gave me a shot at another one. I had a shootout to do like a, a sitcom. What was it? Reba. I, I managed to sort of win the shootout and then got to work with her for a few years. And I got on in plain sight and then my buddy brought me in to do Californication with him. And we did that as a team for seven years. And then, you know, more and more of the dramas. Um, I think the big turning point maybe was, uh, you know, I, I was doing a lot of independent films along the way and I would always take the money and put it all into doing an orchestra. Yeah. Like whenever it could, whenever it called for it. And so by the time I was doing this show called Perception with uh, my friend Ken Biller. Right. Yeah, yeah. I had enough of a reel of orchestral music to show that I could do this, you know, and soundtracks out there. And he had been a showrunner on Star Trek uh, Next Generation. Right. Yeah. From that school of like, hey, we're going to do live orchestra for everything, union on the level. And that was how he wanted to roll on that show. And so for three years, there were three seasons, you know, I, I got to do a full orchestra for every episode, which was to me, wow, yeah, you know, it was the real training. You know, that's where you learn because you got to deliver 40 minutes of orchestral music every week, mix it, conduct, or I, I wasn't conducting on that, you know, mix it, stem it, do the notes. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you learn how to handle that, you know, from there, you're, you're kind of like, anything's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's phenomenal. I mentioned at the start, the, there's a couple of shows particularly, which I was quite interested in. Uh, California Cation, you mentioned you were on. Franklin and Bash, you were on as well, which was a, a great fun show. But I mean, the 100 that he's, he's, I know he's, he's one that's still running over here and uh, really interesting show. And you actually joined on season three as well, which yeah. is slightly out of the ordinary. So how did all that come about? Well, I, I think somewhere along the line, I, I kind of got the reputation as being somebody who could kind of come in in the middle of a series and sort of help either, you know, fix anything that was wrong in the kind of workflow or like help kind of create, you know, a thematic approach. Yeah. And that was, you know, there was some combination of that. I don't want to speak about what happened on that show or any other one that I've been on before I got there, sure. because sure, yeah. as a composer, I, I've been on every side of it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? We get, we get swapped in and out and, and it, I know the politics and the kind of parameters that we're dealing with. It, it's 
a lot of it's way beyond our control. And all yeah. we can do is go in and make good music, look people in the eye and try to deliver what they, what their vision is, you know, yeah, do the mind, the mind reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, in the past dec- decade or so, like I kind of have been used as a guy to come in and, you know, in the middle of things. Um, in the case of the hundred, Jason Rothenberg, the, the showrunner, yeah. he really liked the sound of the show that they had, but you know, I think that he felt there was a, an opportunity to do more with the storytelling yeah. to kind of accompany the characters and the worlds. Cause it's a very rich world. Yeah. 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 Have, you know, I mean, literally they have their own like language, you know, they've got this <laughs> trigeta slang language that they've come up with. They've got, you know, these different sub phylum of grounder species, you know, you have mm-hmm. all of these characters that also in, in their own right kind of get their own themes. And the subject matter is sort of, and I'm not going to speak about the season that's about to happen, but it, yeah, yeah. it's it's allowing, one, one of the great things about science fiction, I think, is that it allows us to say something about what's happening in our time now yes. by showing us a world in the future. And I think, you know, Jason and, and the writers, they do a great job of, of, you know, capitalizing on that opportunity and, and having a little something to say. There's also like some very interesting, like progressive stuff going on with the characters, you know, in terms of like sexual mores or it's just in kind of how they're treating each other, what some kids are going through nowadays psychologically, what different attitudes about race and, you know, isolationists versus, you know, being kind of a welcoming community, all of this stuff that's very, you know, that we're all thinking about. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been an exciting thing to, to work on and musically, uh, it's being in the future and kind of with such a rich, with such rich imagery, it, there are huge opportunities for me, uh, not just to work within an orchestral palette, but also, I mean, to use all kinds of exotic, you know, drums from all over the world to bring in Middle Eastern instruments. We have a lot of like Egyptian oud. I'm playing this season a lot of like guitar viol. I'm pointing to stuff around studio, <laughs> Persian daf. We've got, you know, all kinds of different things we're bringing in from all over the world. And that's, you don't get to do that on every show, you know, no, I don't no, no. do that on Franklin and Bash or Californication, you know, <laughs> So this is kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been one of my favorites so far, you know. Yeah, I mean, as you say, there's there's so much to work with on that show because you, you've got things like the Sky Crew and then you've got Grounders, you've got the Ice Nation, you've got various sort of, so you've got lots of different factions. Are, are you creating different themes for each of the different groups? Um, I, I know you've done it a bit for some of the characters as well, but. Yeah, quite often. I mean, I think it's tough. You know, if you come up with a theme for every character, Mm. And every clan and every location, you put the characters in a battle situation with the clan, like in another location. And it's like you're going to have like 20 different things clashing on each other. So what it it requires is sort of like having certain elements may get a melody or motif, right? And then certain elements might get just like a texture or flavor. You know what I mean? Much the way, you know, like when I when I hear them talk to like the cinematographer about it, be like, well, you know, Ice Nation, we're going to be kind of in more blues, you know, and and. It, you know, like darker kind of things or when we're in the in the woods with, the you know, with the grounders over here, there's going to be all these earthy tones and we're going to have like, you know, this kind of uh, the, the costumes are going to have whatever. It's that same kind of thing where we, we get a flavor, I guess, for some mm. of these. Guys. So I wouldn't necessarily say each thing gets a theme, but, you know. Yeah. 
it's funny because the fans, a lot of times the, the fans are very engaged on the show and I really enjoy the dialogue with them. And in, in, in a lot of cases they will create like artwork or their own songs based on the score. Like we, we released the score last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that soundtrack and people were making their own songs, their own versions of my score. <laughs> they, would, they would put like a cool piece of artwork together to, you know, like, a, like a, an album cover for each song. It was right. amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the fans, they, they want to know kind of what is happening on this, this other layer musically, Yeah, you know, which is really cool because they, they, they're that engaged. They want to know more about what's happening in the story behind the scenes. So it's fun to have the opportunity to tell the story on that layer as well. You know? It's interesting with shows, you tend to find in some situations, the music is, is there, but you need it to just sit back and be background. But then you get shows like 100 where... I think it, it's far more present and actually adds to the story, you know. Yeah, in this in this case, I mean, it's like another character on the show. I mean, it was very weird last season. You know, I was doing Legends at the same time. Yeah, and Legends is the complete opposite, where where we have you know we have a couple little motifs, but but really it's almost like I'm a sound effect with the music. You know what I mean? It's like it's a lot of tones that are sort of shifting and not saying that much about the characters but just kind of creating a little tension and you know it's it's very backgroundy and it's funny to kind of go between those two things that was that was tough of course now i'm lethal weapon at the same time as i'm doing 100 which is also a pretty polar opposite thing doing a cop show yeah 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 (laughs) Um, one of the things with the 100 was uh, the grander anthem which is a, a beautiful haunting bit of music which has the the vocal which is is sung in the grander language over the top of it which how was that to put together well that was a, a crazy assignment that was really early on in the show I, I i hadn't even begun scoring the show it was over the summer and i was with my family in uh, in france actually and we were in uh, porquerolle which is like a little island sort of off toulouse there right and I'm in like this little shack, you know, with my wife and kids. And I, I check my email sporadically. We had the internet. And Jason's like, hey, we're going to need this song. We need a female vocal. We need to shoot to it. So I need you to write it soon. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, I will send you uh, the actual lyrics that we've come up with. And then I'll send you the Trigetis Lang translation. Yeah. And you need to sing it in Trigetis Lang. And I was like, okay. So I sang this this haunting melody in like this little shack that we were in. I sent it to him. He's like, I love it. Now we got to get the right female vocalist. Yeah. And I have a you know studio at home where I am now where I where I write. But I also have a studio in, uh, in Atwater Village, which is nearby. And it's sort of more of an office, a bigger space. And I've got three guys who helped me out over there. So I sent them my little vocal, which was done on a laptop through the microphone. They made a tempo meter map and I implemented some ideas about orchestration and they did a little bit of something behind it to give it some tonality. But really, this is like an acapella piece. And then we did, you know, almost like a casting call. Like I had them bring in a few different singers. Yeah. And then we got the one singer that was sounding best for the demo. This gal sang it. You know, the studio now approves it. And now we got to get the actual person who's going to sing it on set. (laughs) <laughs> and it's being done up in Canada. So now they do their own version of the casting call up there. <laughs> they send it out. They get a bunch of different women coming in knowing this song. That is a bizarre song to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and singing it in Trigetis Lang. 
And then they have like a casting call with that. They narrow it down to two or three. They send those videos to me to look at. And I was like, well, this is your gal right here. <laughs> and I, I believe her name was Julia. I, I can't pronounce her last name. Dominchak. I think it's Julia Dominchak. She, she sang it beautifully. And then the recording session was done up in Canada and I produced it via Skype <laughs> and it was all written out and she was a beautiful sight reader and she, you know, she changed a couple things to suit her voice better. And she, you know, she, everything she did made it better, which was great. And, uh, yeah, and that was it. It was a, it was a strange thing, but it, it started in a little shack in pork roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun. Um, the other show, as you mentioned earlier, that that you've got running at the moment is Lethal Weapon. If I was reading the IMDb correctly, is this another show where you jumped on kind of eight episodes in or something? Exactly. Yeah. You know, the guys who were doing it before are actually both friends of mine. They're great composers. Yeah. You know. One of those things. Yeah. Those things, the world, I don't know how it aligns, you know, and, and I think uh, it just was such that, uh, you know, a change was made. I, I came in, the, the producers, they were happy with the sound, basically. Yeah. They were happy with the, what they had, but they need a lot in that show because basically you've got the obvious kind of comedic side, which is the sort of the buddy cops wisecracking. Yeah. And you've got the action, you know, car chases, shootouts, everything you'd expect in a cop show. Yeah. And they want all of that, you know, very contemporary sounding and energetic and exciting. And then the same thing with, you know, the sort of procedural stuff. They get to the crime scene and all that. And then you've got a really emotional side to it with particularly one of the characters, the character Riggs, who was yeah. the Mel guy in the movie. You know, he had lost his wife. Right. That's the backstory. And, you know, so he's always sort of he's going through something and he's he he's a, a bit of a broken character. Right. So you have this kind of vulnerable side to him. And we do for that. We do a lot of these like I for lack of a better word, I call them guitar collages. <laughs> You know, where it's like a lot of different textures and stuff that, I mean, it's a guitar, but it doesn't sound like a guitar almost. It's, it's yeah. using a lot of effects. At some point I'll, I'll have like, look in here, I've got four different delays and two different reverbs and, <laughs> and a poly octave generator going, you know, and sometimes yeah. they're, they're all on and kind of going. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool because you, you get an opportunity to create something kind of new. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and very different than what I'm doing on like the hundred, for instance. <laughs> um, but I think that that's what makes the show so successful right now. I think it's that, that people are really responding to like the emotional side of that character. And, you know, so the show has heart, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and even the partner Murtaugh, Damon Wayans, who's a comedian, you know, by, by trade, that's his main thing. Right. I mean, he, he, he de delivers a lot of heart in his character. So it's, it's kind of a lovable show and, and it's a lot of fun. I, I can see why people are, are signing on to it, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I've, I've seen the first two episodes of it. I really enjoyed it. I, I think it got the spirit of the movie to it, but yeah. it's a nice update and it, it works really well and it, it worked good as a, as a yeah, weekly TV show, I think. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that and uh yeah it's episode eight you you jump on to to that isn't it i think so yeah and eight and we've got i can't remember we're doing 18 of them you're doing so. 18 right yeah okay cool yeah so <laughs> <laughs> how many shows do you tend to be running at the same time well I, you know two is like pretty manageable with two i'm, I'm doing all the writing 
I've done as many as five. That's not great. <laughs> I mean, I like to do one at a time, one yeah. at a time. Um, but two, two, I can still manage. I mean, I got three guys working for me, you know, helping, you know, with the different aspects of things. One, you know, who's like an engineer who's mixing everything. One who's like doing all this mix prep, bouncing the MIDI, conforming, making stems. And then another one who's like, will help with orchestration or, you know, I do a thing that, uh, I call it box cues where we'll take, you know, like a cue previously written that works for a scene or a theme or something. We'll throw it in there that session and then we'll go in and we'll, you know, rearrange, play things on top of it, record new stuff and kind of make it a new thing. Yeah. And, and so the person fulfilling that role usually is working cl most closely with me and kind of knows, you know, my writing style and can kind of jump in, you know, if I say, Hey, you know what, add some propulsive layers over here, you know, we yeah, need to yeah. flesh out this little piano thing I wrote as a string thing. Let's make that, you know, and it gets into that. If I, if I go beyond what I have now workload wise, I usually need to do get a little bit of help on the the ghostwriting front. Yeah. And with that, then I like to be as upfront with the client as I can and be like, look, you know, I'm going to share this gig with somebody here. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a particular instrument that you enjoy trying to weave into stuff when you're doing it? You know, obviously it needs to be the sort of something appropriate, but is there something that you think I'd really like to try and get this into into something. You know, I think I used to, and now I think it's been kind of beaten out of me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm a I'm a guitar player before anything else. I mean, I play you know a number of instruments, many of them badly, but you know, the guitar I can play pretty well, and I I always used to try and get the guitar in there, and there were certain like textures or pedals or ways that I would do it that I was sort of like, that's my sound. Mm. But then, you know, I got into a couple gigs where like I put in that sound, it was my sound. And they were like, I don't want that sound. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now I'm like, I'm kind of like, you know, the story dictates, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of final questions for you. There are two things that we usually ask people. First one will be what shows are you watching at the moment? I just have been watching uh frontier, which is uh, yes. a new flick series. Jason Momoa, yeah. I'm the last episode of it now. I was a big fan of, or still am a big fan of uh, Black Sails. Yes, yeah. Which uh, Bear McCreary does the music for that. I really like the music. I kind of like the look of the show, the characters. And this sort of reminded me a little of that, although not on the high seas. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll scope that one out. And, um, and certainly the main title was really similar. I was like, well... Yeah. Um, I've been watching that. And then I guess I'm, I'm a huge Vikings fan. I love that series. Yeah. That's the one I like. Trevor Morris does the music for that. He's a friend. Yeah. Um, I like these adventure-y kind of, uh, yeah, it's stuff like that that I get into. I mean, you know, I, I don't have much time to watch stuff no. now because I'm, you know, deep in it. <laughs> but I'll be unemployed next month and then I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, so it could be an old show or something that's coming up, what show would it be? Star Trek. Star Trek. Definitely. That was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Those, your, your... <laughs> well, Discovery still in production. <laughs> I don't know yeah, who's I'm like... I'm a huge fan of, of all of the kind of uh, the old sci-fi stuff. And, you know, I, I if, if you ask me a movie, I might come up with something different. Yeah. Movies, I, you know, there's the sort of uh, noir stuff. I love that film noir. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, the, the new incarnation of it, like I would love to have done Sin City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. I'm a huge graphic novel fan and I love the, I have all the Frank Miller graphic novel series of that. Um, or maybe Chinatown. If I, if I were to score a movie, it would be Chinatown. That would be the one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the graphic novels. I, if I could pick the computer up, I'd show you the uh, room next door, which basically has a wall from floor to ceiling with the graphic novels. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. I love it. I love that stuff. So yeah, I, I've actually I've written a graphic novel. I, I've written several that I I've been you know trying to get illustrated, and my first one is almost close to being illustrated. At least the first issue of it. Oh wow! In in a couple of um, months, I bet, or maybe even a month, I'll have it ready. And I wrote a uh, a whole album of music to accompany it, songs and score. That's it's very called, cool. It's called Dusk Riders. So I'll uh, I'll let you know when that comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send me send me a message when that comes out. Um, I will. So you said you'll be unemployed in a month. Have you got anything lined up or? or... Well, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive back into the to my little graphic novel thing here. Okay. Uh, this series, Dusk Riders. I've written six issues in the first one, and you know we've just about finished the first one, and I've I've written I've written all this music for it. So. I'm going to just keep that going. And it's basically like it came out of the idea of like the last time I had downtime, I was like, all right, I need to create the thing that I want to write music for. You know what I mean? So I (laughs) came up with the story, you know, I've always been a writer and I was like, you know what? I could come up with something that I would be kind of my dream scoring gig. Then I'll, then I'll, then I'll score it, which is what I did. Yeah. That's very cool. That's a great idea. So uh, where's, is that going to be available somewhere? The initial thing I want to do with it is to release it digitally. I've, I've got a couple of, I can't speak about exactly yeah. how that's happening yet because I want to maintain ownership of it. Yeah. So the initial thing will be to kind of get it out that way and kind of build a little something for it and sort of establish the world. And then we'll see if, you know, if I'm in a position to, to bring on anything heavier to kind of help yeah. lift it up. So we'll see. Cool. Cool. I look forward to seeing it. That should be very cool. Well, thanks for spending the time. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, we'll talk again next time. Great chatting with you. Awesome. Cheers. So that was the interview with Tree Adams. Hope you really enjoyed that. Go and look up his uh, band, The Howling Vaults. I'm sure they'll be on Spotify and stuff if you want more of that. Next up, we have some highlights for next week. So coming up next week on TV, uh, we have, for those who haven't seen the brilliant Mr. Robot, the second season is coming onto the Universal Channel for, for for those of you that haven't got Amazon Prime, although as we've said earlier, get Amazon Prime. It's <laughs> worth it. It's worth the money. You can get both seasons. Not of just Christmas. on the savings that you make on deliveries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get your music. The yeah, because you everything. get a load of music it's with not it. Just, yeah. It's yeah. not just yeah. being able to I'm watch sorry, these series. sorry, this sounds like a major plug for Amazon Prime. They aren't a sponsor, but yeah. <laughs> Other online stores are a <laughs> yeah, but, but Amazon's really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, Mr. Robot coming to the Universal Channel for the second season. That's on the nineteenth of April at nine pm. Uh, it's such a good show. It's fantastic. It's one of those ones that I wasn't I wasn't convinced by when I read the review of it and the the you know yeah. what it was. I thought uh, I can't really be bothered with that. But having watched just a few episodes, I was properly hooked. Yeah. Rami Malek's just amazing in it. Really good. New Girl Season 6, that's coming to E4 on the 20th April at uh, 9.30. This was a show that I found quite funny and then sort of dropped away from I, about four seasons ago. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, it's perfectly watchable. I just, you know, yeah. 
Is it so, worth six seasons then? I, I'm I'm not sure. It was a bit on the bubble about being renewed this time around. Right. So we'll, we'll say Bosch is back for its third season on Amazon Prime. I, again, this is one that I haven't got around to watching, but everybody tells me it's really good. Based on the Michael Connolly books about uh, a detective. So um, it's supposed to be very good though. So I don't love detective shows generally. Yeah. Well, that's nice. me. I'm yeah. not never been massively into them. So, you know, I do watch some of them, but... Bill Nye Saves the World is coming for its first season. This is a new show on Netflix on the 21st of April. So this is Bill Nye the Science Guy. He's probably better known in the US than he is over here, although he is now known over here due mainly to Big Bang Theory, (laughs) probably more than anything else. But Bill Nye the Science Guy, he's he's basically a sort of science stroke chat show. So it's him with a bunch of guests, celebrity guests, exploring a range of topics from sciencey stuff through politics and general kind of frivolous sort of how does this work type of thing. Not the actor, Bill Nye with... (laughs) Bill Nye, yes, no. (laughs) Bill Nye, not Bill Nye. They should get both of them on, that would just confuse everybody. Yeah, it would. Yeah, because... He doesn't do science. And I was like, that's a different guy. Yeah, Bill, Bill Nye <laughs> as opposed to Bill Nye. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, that looks quite good fun. I, I might go and watch that when it comes up. There's a show called Versailles, which is coming for its second season on BBC Two on 21st of April at 9.30. The short tagline, which Andrew wrote for it, says, the BBC does French period drama, so I can't tell you any more about it than that. Do you not see the I first season? I haven't seen it. No, I didn't watch it. It's exactly what you'd expect. Back. Right, okay. It's exactly what you ex- would expect. Um, lots of wigs and uh, bad facial hair Ooh. and heaving bosoms. It's, it's not bad if that's what you're after. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Grandchester season three, that's coming to ITV on the 23rd of April at 9pm. A priest who happens to also be a retired Scots guard teams up with a policeman in 1950s Cambridgeshire. So again, not really my sort of show, but it's on ITV if you want to go watch it. Genius, which is a mini-series coming to National Geographic, looked kind of interesting. 23rd of April at 9pm. It's the story of how Albert became Einstein, is uh, how it's been pitched. Stars Jeffrey Rush as Albert Einstein for some of it but it's going through his life so yeah. Jeffrey Rush but is likely playing... to be playing him as a young person. yes exactly Jeffrey Rush is playing the older Einstein whereas the it's a really good bit of casting him. I think yeah I know, it's a great bit of casting and uh, it's been trailered quite a lot it looks really interesting uh, the Durrells is back for a second season on ITV on the 23rd of April at 8pm that's the uh, 1930s drama starring Keely Hawes about a family that moves from Bournemouth to the Greek island of Corfu I didn't see the first season of this because it's, it's not a secret that I, I love Keely Hawes. Yeah. Um, but even that didn't make me watch the first season. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't know what you mean. The lot of people did watch the first yeah. season of it. It was hugely, hugely popular. So, um, yeah, I, I won't be watching the second season of this either because it's not my sort of thing. But I, I know that it's a hugely popular show. And then Silicon Valley is back for its fourth season on Sky Atlantic on the 24th of April at 10 past 10. I adore Silicon Valley. It's absolute genius. Just comedy gold pretty much throughout. So I, I would uh, I would urge people to go watch that. I haven't seen it. Haven't you? No. Oh, God. The box sets are on um, Sky Catch-Up. Okay. So go and watch them. They'll be on Now TV as well. Yeah. So go and watch the box sets of it. It's about a startup in Silicon Valley. And yeah it's just the sort of comedy of the people dealing with the various people in silicon valley and them getting kind of bought out by other people and then people sort of layering stuff upon stuff 
laugh at it. It's, it's just really, really well written. Okay. Sort of half hour comedy. I'll give it a try. The thing, the thing is, I guess it's kind of Amazon Prime and Netflix and a lot of the stuff that's on Sky now, I don't tend to, unless it, I actually, it's on when I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah. I tend to miss out on it. So I don't really go through the sort of Sky Watch again stuff as much as I used to. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I sh- maybe I should get back to it. Yeah, there are. I mean, certainly Sky Atlantic is worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. Because there's some great stuff on Sky Atlantic. Really, mm. really interesting things. So you just got to wrestle the controller from, from the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if well, you just, got... just get a television in the bedroom and just watch that. We don't have a television in the bedroom, so it's like... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah you get a Now TV account, Sky Go, something like yeah. that. You yeah, might have a Sky Go subscription attached to your expensive Sky subscription, possibly. I think I cancelled it. Uh, oh, well. Maybe I'll get it again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, no... Silicon Valley coming on 24th of April on 10 past 10 on Sky Atlantic. Well worth watching. Um, so I think that's everything for this week. We've It's probably going to be quite a long one. So <laughs> <laughs> Unless you've got anything else you want to add in? Uh, no, no, just nobody. Everybody keep away from me with the uh, Expanse spoilers. Yes. That's just, so if you meet me, don't mention Expanse if you've been watching the second yes. season. And Netflix, hurry up with yeah. Expanse season two. Trying to avoid it on YouTube is really difficult. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been trying to avoid that as well I managed to keep away from most of it but uh, yes um, Netflix if you're listening hurry up with the uh, next season please so if you want to find more information about uh, air dates and the latest news you can come to the website at geektown.co.uk if you want to get in touch you can send questions and comments to podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektownuk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.